Greetings. I am Agent Ash, head speakoneer for Mr. Eerie. I'm delighted to extend our sincerest thanks for your interest in becoming part of Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. If you're unfamiliar with the empty book of everything, or how Mr. Eerie's anti-invisible soda pops work, we exuberantly suggest you listen to the Eerie Enlistee audio episode entitled Bottle Number 14, Off to a Grape Start. Off to a Grape Start is in fact a great place to start. Now that we are all on the same page, it's of the utmost important that we discuss lunch. I understand the topic of lunch may seem below your current level of detectiving. Having made it this far in your training, you may feel you've got a good handle on this midday meal stuff. You know when to order a side salad. You know which soups are made for styling hair and which ones are made for slurping. You may even know the proper way to pack a lunch inside Miss Happen's line of never-late luggage. To that, I would say congratulations. You know roughly 11.5% of what it takes to engage in a successful lunch as an eerie detective. No, it's not nearly enough knowledge should you pass your final week of practical pretending at Mr. Eerie's camp for conundrums, which I'm sure you will. And when you do make it through the final week, there is a chance you will be awarded with our highest enlistee honour. Officially, this award is called the Ribbon of Whispers. Once an enlistee is granted this ribbon, they automatically join the ranks of a multi-disturbing detective agency league known as the Never Heard Ofs. As you can imagine, and have probably heard, no one has ever heard of anyone who belongs to the Never Heard. In fact, being heard of is the one thing that might cause your status as a member of the Never Heard to be unheard of. This coupled with the fact that most never-heard inductee lunches are held at Mr. Hall's, Meatballs Big and Tall makes this week's page from the empty book of everything absolutely essential for your progress as an agent. So, let's get started. Anti-invisible bottle number 132, entitled Marinara, Where Inara, reveals essential information for your professional lunching preparedness. Here to read the contents of bottle 132 is Ribbon of Whispers recipient and former member of the Never Heard, someone you probably are just now hearing of. Senior agent in good standing, Darcy Parnicle. Thank you. I am Darcy Parnicle, and it's an honour to have EBE Bottle 132 Marinara Warinara created after my work here at the agency. Bottle 132 is a silver cap whose contents smell of vine-ripened tomatoes with a hint of Swenson's salt from the salt orchards of Wen. It's an odd flavour for soda pop, which is why most people spill the entire bottle on an empty page rather than taking a sip first. If you happen to find bottle number 132, I suggest drizzling just a little of the anti-invisible soda pop on a bowl of freshly baked noodles before splashing the remainder onto a page of your choosing. After sopping, sorry, I mean after spilling, on page number 132, you will see a puff of steam and your nose will be filled with the aroma of a pizza parlour. If that pizza parlour were in the middle of the ocean, on a barge carrying piles of meat. Before I begin reading the contents of the page, just a quick note that I will be reading the content as it appears which is in third person, but please keep in mind, said events happen to me in the first person. Thank you.
Darcy Parnicle's shoes clicked and clacked on the uneven cobblestone streets of South Gloom. The morning fog had begun to wear out, revealing rows of poorly stacked houses and a train station that was nothing if not in need of repairs. Darcy crossed the street, narrowly avoiding a conversation with Mr Anders Unwind Lee, who was on his way to work. "'Will you be riding the regret today?' Mr Unwind Lee shouted as Darcy walked by. Darcy hadn't been on the Gloom City regret since her almost real school class took a field trip to the north many years ago. "'No time. Pressing business this morning,' said Darcy. Remember, bring a test with a grade of D or lower and I'll give you the Studies Better on Trains discount, Mr Unwindley said. Thank you for the reminder, Darcy said, turning her back to the Ticketmaster and hurrying past the station's platform. Mr Unwindley could talk, and he liked to talk about nothing more than the seemingly endless discounts available to riders of the Gloom City Regret. Darcy wondered for a moment if she looked like the type of person to get D's. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, she'd never failed at anything, and her reputation as an eerie enlistee was flawless. Mr Unwind Lee doesn't know anything about detective business, Darcy figured. Doesn't know anything about grades either. He's just trying to sell tickets. And she couldn't fault him for trying. In fact, Darcy had made up a number of excuses to dismiss herself from long sales pitches from the ageing ticketmaster, But the reason she gave today, pressing business, was not made up. In fact, you couldn't have made it up if you tried. Darcy Parnicle had business at Mr Hall's Meatballs Big and Tall, a restaurant and one of the few lunch options near her dormitory. The clicking and clacking of Darcy's shoes changed to a ticking and tacking as she stepped off the cobblestone street into the tiled entryway to Mr Hall's Meatballs. The three-storey restaurant, which leaned considerably to one side, depending on which way the wind was blowing, served craft meatballs based on a recipe that Mr Hall claimed he found hidden inside a wingtip shoe. By all accounts, the meatballs were delectable and came in all sorts of shapes and sizes. There were ones the sizes of melons and ones the sizes of marbles. They had meatballs shaped like footballs and footballs stuffed with meatballs shaped like shoes. With a determined hand, Darcy Pernickel swung open the front door to the eatery. She hadn't paused under the black and white striped canopy to study the menu outside. She hadn't needed to because Darcy knew exactly what she was going to order. Pressing business doesn't get done by those who dilly-dally. It gets done by those who show up ready to eat. At least that's what Darcy wrote in her eerie journal during her first week as an enlistee. And so far she'd stuck to it. After all... She'd already beaten the seven-sock challenge at Sancho Drip's Hot Socolata Cart. And, on her 15th birthday, she easily completed the Finkel and Cheese Inside-Outside-Inside Burger Challenge. The pressing business that was pressing Darcy on that morning was Mr Hall's Meatballs Big and Tall Exploding Meatball Challenge. She'd been saving money for the better part of a year to afford the challenge, and on that day, she'd arrived right before the lunch rush. She'd never failed at anything, and was confident she could put on a show for everyone else dining on smaller portions. Failure was not an option for Darcy, 
which is why she only briefly read over the consequences for not completing the exploding meatball challenge. The rules were outlined on the meatball shop's inside lobby wall and at the bottom of every menu. Contestants would be served a beach ball-sized meatball, which was stuffed with over two dozen grapefruit-sized meatballs, each of which were stuffed with four golf ball-sized meatballs. Those who could afford the meatball challenge and had the capacity to finish it got a hat that said, Nothing on the walls at Mr Hall's meatballs. The phrase on the hat, Nothing on the walls, was a reference to the consequences for not finishing the meatball in the allotted time. Some say it's explosive spices. Some say there is a pressurised steamed meatball buried somewhere inside. The truth is, no one's quite sure how the exploding meatball effect is achieved. The only thing that's certain is, meatballs not consumed in the allotted time explode, sending chunks of delicious meat splattering onto ceilings, ceiling fans, staircases, floors and, of course, walls. Darcy Parnickel looked at the walls as she was seated at the Mr Hall's centre table. The walls looked clean to her. No meat anywhere. Either the Mr Hall's cleaning staff deserved a raise, or no one had failed the challenge. Maybe it's a piece of cake, Darcy thought. Maybe the meatball challenge is such a piece of cake that people will start saying, it's a piece of meatball, to mean something is easily accomplished. Darcy laughed to herself just as a skinny man in a white shirt with black and white checked pants arrived at her table. Welcome to Mr Hall's. What type of meatballs may I roll over for you? How many people have failed the challenge? Darcy asked. The man leaned over and said in a low voice, The exploding meatball challenge. No one has failed. Really? Darcy asked. Every contestant has eaten it? No, said the waiter. No one has failed because no one has attempted it yet. The waiter pointed to the meatball challenge listing on the menu tapping his finger on the price. It's a little rich for most patrons. He smiled. Well, that changes today. Darcy set a sack of coins on the seat next to her. One exploding meatball challenge, please. The waiter eyed the sack of coins and then looked Darcy up and down. You think you can do it? A little girl like you? I beat the hot soccer let challenge, Darcy said. The waiter twisted his moustache. Yes, but seven socks soaked in hot chocolate is a bit different. than a beach ball-sized meatball, don't you think? I don't dilly-dally, said Darcy. I show up ready to eat. The waiter bowed and swiped the menu off the table. Have it your way, the waiter said. It'll take a moment to prepare. That's fine, said Darcy. Before leaving, the waiter leaned back and asked Darcy if she'd like some complimentary bread. Yes, said Darcy. Thank you. As Darcy sat at the centre table waiting for her giant meatball to be prepared, the sounds of the restaurant began to fill with the noises of hungry patrons. She listened to the waiters approach tables, wondering if she'd hear anyone else order the challenge but she didn't. A few minutes later, a soft man in a crumpled hat was seated at the table next to Darcy. The man was wearing a worn suit and seemed to be stuck in a routine of checking the inside of his wallet, followed by the time on his wristwatch. Darcy glanced at him out of the corner of her eye. Every few minutes, the man unfolded his wallet, peeked inside, 
then put it back in his coat jacket while checking the time. Darcy looked over at the man. Running late, is she? The man let out a nervous chuckle. How'd you guess? I'm an enlistee, she said. It's my job to notice stuff. A few minutes later, a lady in a blue dress with a white flower pattern showed up at the man's table. Darcy scooted her chair out of the way to give the two room to shake hands and exchange pleasantries. She overheard parts of the conversation. Her name was Edith E. and his name was Mr. Hap. From what Darcy could father, it was their first date set up by a friend of Edith's who'd sold a pair of used shoes to Mr. Hap. In over his head, Darcy thought. Don't need to be a detective to figure that one out. She felt bad for thinking it, but Edith seemed out of Mr. Hap's standing by a few steps at least. Who knows, she thought. They say opposites are interesting to each other. Not long after the couple sat down, the same waiter that had taken Darcy's order showed up at Edith and Hap's table. Welcome to Mr. Hall's. What type of meatballs may I roll over for you? The waiter said. Darcy watched Edith look over the menu, skimming her clean and well-appointed fingers from top to bottom. I'll have the bouquet meatball arrangement, she said. A bead of sweat on Mr. Hap's forehead caught the early afternoon light and reflected into Darcy's eyes. She turned her attention towards him and watched as he studied the menu with observable unease. I'll, um, I'll just have the, the free bread, he said. You have to order a meatball to get the bread, the waiter said. Mr. Hap's menu began to shake nervously. So bad, Darcy was surprised she didn't feel a breeze from it. How about the marble-sized meatballs, Mr. Hap said. The waiter raised his pen. Excellent choice, sir. How many would you like? Darcy watched Mr. Hap wipe his brow and struggle for answer. Um, just the one, please, Hap said in a low voice. One mini marble-sized meatball, confirmed the waiter at full volume. Before Hap could answer, Edith spoke. I'd like to change my order, she said. Just one mini marble meatball for me as well, please. And the bread, Mr. Hap added as the waiter walked away. Don't forget the bread. As far as first dates go, Darcy wasn't sure Edith's and Mr. Hap's was going well. She wanted to help and thought her conquering the exploding meatball challenge might be the entertainment the couple needed to have a memorable first meeting. But unfortunately, the waiter was right. The challenge took some time to prepare. A half hour later, Darcy still waited for her food. She passed time by cleverly trying to watch Edith and Mr. Hap. She found she could make a decent mirror by holding a spoon at just the right angle. She watched warped reflections of Edith and Mr. Hap cutting wafer-thin slices from their marble-sized meatballs. Their time to talk over a meal seemed like it would be over before it even began. Even in the reflection of a spoon, Darcy could see Mr. Hap felt bad, maybe even embarrassed about the meal his table had to order. Finally, after nearly three quarters of an hour, the exploding meatball challenge appeared next to Darcy. The table groaned and creaked as seven servers lifted the beach ball-sized meal from a silver serving cart onto her table. You alone must finish it all, or it will go all over the tables and walls, the waiters said.
Even though there was no announcement, no music or fanfare, Darcy felt the eyes of the restaurant looking at her. Could she do it? She wasn't sure. It was bigger than she expected and meatier too. I don't dilly-dally, she said to herself. I show up ready to eat. The cold metal of an oversized fork felt like power in her hand. With this tool, she thought, I will stave off failure and keep my winning streak intact. Just as she was about to dig in, she heard the soft voice of Mr. Hap. Good luck, he said. Darcy looked for Edith but didn't see her. Then she heard her voice from behind, talking to another table of diners. He's so sweet, but I've got to get some food, the voice said. Darcy looked in the reflection of her fork and saw the blue dress of Edith. It's too bad too, Edith said. I was looking forward to talking over meatballs, but ours were so small. We barely had time to exchange two words. Darcy looked over at Mr. Hap. He was scraping the breadcrumbs off the table into his hands. Just a little something for the birds, he said. Darcy smiled. It was probably the thought of birds flying that caused Darcy to pivot from her previous plan. Or maybe it was the thought of Mr. Hap's first date not going well. Regardless, a new plan formed in her head. And that plan was to dilly-dally. The clock counted down and Mr. Hall's meatballs erupted into a flurry of conversation about how far behind Darcy was. What's she waiting for? said one onlooker. She's only taken two bites. Can't win at that pace, said another. If she doesn't stop dilly-dallying, there's going to be meatball everywhere. Several minutes later, as the clock ran down the last few minutes of the challenge, Darcy turned to Mr. Hap and gave him a wink. I'd order some more bread if I were you. Mr. Hap did. In fact, the whole restaurant did. And a few seconds after the last bit of bread was held high into the air, Darcy Parnickel's exploding meatball exploded. Chunks, chips and bits of meatball flew in every direction, piling up on rolls and slices of outstretched bread. Darcy ducked under the table to avoid being blindsided by exploding meat bits. There she could see the used shoes of Mr. Hap standing next to the white and blue heels of Edith. They moved together, catching bits of meatball in bread. Darcy overheard Mr. Hap ask Edith if she would care to join him for a picnic of meatball sandwiches. Darcy smiled when she heard Edith say she'd love to. Mr. Hall's Meatballs Big and Tall handed out all their to-go bags that day, and Darcy experienced her first failure. But with the story of what had happened circling the city of gloom like a rain cloud at the end of summer, her failure turned into some odd kind of success. In the days and years to come, the Mr. Hall Meatball Challenge became more expensive. Soon it was the only thing on the menu. It became customary for one person to order the insanely expensive meatball challenge and fail it on purpose, and in doing so create a meal and memory for the sometimes forgotten first dates, birthday parties and detective meetings of gloom. Mr Hall's became the most popular restaurant in town, and it wasn't long before Anders Unwindley began offering discounted train tickets to anyone who failed the challenge. After passing her final exam for Mr Erie, Darcy was approached by a man in a black hat with a blue ribbon around it. The man introduced himself to Darcy, but she had never heard of him. They talked about meatballs, meetings and the whisper of ribbons. 
Many believe it was at this impromptu meeting that Mr Hall's Meatballs Big and Tall was chosen as the new agent meeting location for the Never Heard. It's also believed that Darcy Parnicle was inducted that same day, and several seconds later she resigned since everyone already knew who she was. And this brings us to the very important lunch rule should you find yourself being offered a position in the League of Never Heard Ofs. When dining at Mr Hall's Meatballs Big and Tall, agents must always win the challenge. You may only order the meatball challenge, and you must complete it without dilly-dally. To lose the challenge would draw attention to yourself. For losing at Mr Hall's wins you a whole lot of friends, and beating the challenge is so boring that it goes unnoticed by all. Well, there you have it, one enlistee's experience in losing a challenge so that others could win something much more valuable. Special thanks to Agent Darcy Parnicle and to you for your interest in becoming an agent at Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. While the chances of you finding a printed copy of The Empty Book of Everything and a silver-capped bottle number 132 could be described as not a piece of meatball, we do hope this audio overview has helped you uncover content that will aid you on your odd and unusual adventure to becoming an agent. Good luck. Don't let the meatball explode. See you in the next chapter. Chapter 4.